Hi, I'm Nate Flax. I'm Noah Longworth-McGuire. And, and this, this is, is Talking, Talking Lion. Lion. Talking Lion is a podcast focused on artist-to-artist conversations. We're primarily artists, a duo called Sleeping Lion. And throughout our career as songwriters and producers, we've had the opportunity to work with so many incredible rising artists. Talking Lion is about hitting record on the conversations we've had with our musical friends and collaborators to get a glimpse into what their life's been like and where it's going. A few reminders before we start. Firstly, we now have a Patreon for fans of the show to show their support and help keep the show going. As a Patreon subscriber, not only will you earn rewards, but you'll also gain exclusive access to a chat room in our Discord server. Here you can talk with us and even suggest questions for our guests. Go to patreon.com slash talkinglion to subscribe. We appreciate your support. As we mentioned, we also have a Discord server that's become a sort of community hub for Sleeping Lion and Talking Lion. We're very active on there and very eager to talk to you about who you are on the show and how you feel about the new episodes, as well as just talking about life. So yeah, come through and you can talk with us. You can make some new friends, share your art, and share your memes. Go to sleepinglionmusic.com slash discord to join our server. We hope to see you there. Lastly, our faces on a shirt. We have shirts now for Talking Lion with our faces on them. If you want to wear us on your shirt, Buy a shirt. It helps support the show and it shows your friends that you like Sleeping Lion and Talking Lion. You can find these shirts on our website, sleepinglionmusic.com slash store. Pro tip, Patreon supporters of the honorary lion tier or higher will get a free shirt. Now back to the show. We recorded this episode with our new friend, Abby the Nomad. Though we had heard of Abby through his collaborations with our mutual friends, this was the first time we got a chance to connect and talk. We recorded this following the release of his new album, Obby vs. the Universe, which featured Talking Lion alumni such as Charlie Curtis Beard and Johan Lennox. A wordsmith, gamer, and man of the world, Obby the Nomad has infused his unique perspective into all of his songs and collaborations. It's really great to finally get to know him in this episode. So, without further ado, I'm Obby the Nomad and this is Talking Lion. Well, hey. What's good? How are you guys? <laughs> nice to meet you, man. We're good. We're good. <laughs> yeah, I'm good. I slept for like way too long today. I like woke up at like six and then like went back to sleep at like nine to like two. It was bad. I appreciated your your text this morning because I was like, you're like, yeah, I'm having I, I, I'm having a bit of a late start. And I'm like, I am too, man. Dude, I am too. It's just one of those mornings where no amount of caffeine can can resurrect your sort of just like soul. You're just like mm. deprived of energy. I, I attempted today. Actually, I, you know, <laughs> the, the podcast is sponsored by by a, a, a coffee called New Wave and it's good as far as the anxiety goes. I definitely have just been drinking too much in the last right. 24 because I had it last night to finish some work <laughs> and this morning. Wow. Um, and you say last night, coffee last night? Yeah, I had an, I, I was editing a, a different podcast and I, uh, <laughs> I was up. I was up pretty late with that. Oh my god! So yeah, I, uh... I could never. I'd be up till five. <laughs> I drink primarily um, yerba mates, which Ooh, I went okay. from coffee. I actually have a Keurig back there, and I have like you know a bunch of K cups and and stuff. But I used to drink like two cups of coffee a day and like get my day going. But I severely underestimated, like looking back, like how much it would make me shit. I think people don't understand like, how much you shit when you drink like two or three <laughs> cups of coffee a day. So I just I just drink yerba mate now, and it's great as far as like my digestive system goes. It's like drinking juice. No more, sh- no more, <laughs> no more morning shits. No more violent morning shits. Okay. <laughs> 
Come on, man. That's half the fun. That's how, that's how you know. That's how you know it's, called, you know it's, it's working. working. Uh, yeah, I don't like to wake up and just like you know exhume all of the last week's meals in one go. I mean, I I have like digestive issues, and and uh, when I went to a gastro, he was like, "Have you thought about like cutting out coffee?" And I'm just like, "And let it win, and let it win." <laughs> There have been a couple of days this week that I've forgotten to drink coffee and then just slept the day away. I mean, like, why am I so tired? I'm like, right, because I'm addicted to caffeine. Right, right. I can't, caffeine I can't go a day without caffeine or my body just shuts down completely. I mean, at least that's what happens to you. For me, my body is like in a low state of gravity and I, I forget that I love anybody. Right. <laughs> Everybody is a target. Yeah. Yeah, I get I get pretty violent without, without caffeine. So yeah, yeah, late start to the morning, but feeling great now. But I don't know what the rest of the day holds for me. Uh, what about you guys? What does the rest of the day hold for us? Um, I, I'm probably going to wind up doing some more work after this. We have a friend and podcast alumni, uh, actually two, mm-hmm. uh, London Mars and Charlotte Sands. They're playing uh, Emo Night tonight, though, by the time this comes out. It will have been in the past, Listener Land, but I'm sure it's going to be awesome. And uh, yeah, my friend's visiting from New York, so I might wind up seeing them nice. after the show. So I think I'm in for a late, another late one today. Let's go. That's, yeah, just yeah, that's a, that's burning a good, the midnight oil. That sounds like a good time, to be honest. Uh, you know, it's just, it's nice to see folks. It's been a while since I've gotten to see folks. So yeah. It's just, um, yeah. yeah. What about you? What's, what's, on the, what's on the docket? I was supposed to go watch Dune with the homies. Nice. <laughs> and uh, unfortunately, I guess the premiere got kicked back because of the James Bond movie. And my, oh, friend, yeah. my friend texted me, I never thought I'd be cucked by James Bond, but here we are. <laughs> so our plans got canceled. So I'm currently just, I'm planning on, I, I get a new PC in today to edit so that I can edit more videos quicker and stuff. So I'm, I'm waiting for that delivery. And I'm also going to keep playing some games for the rest of the day. I have some, you know, housekeeping stuff to do in in between some emails. You know, nothing mm-hmm. nothing too intense. So it's a it's a pretty chill day. So I think that's why I took that like four hour nap in the morning. I did a risky thing, which is I I, I went to lie down at two fifteen. Like mm. like we started like this right at before two, the episode. At two thirty. But I, I was like, yeah, I mean like if I just like lie down at two fifteen and close my eyes for a moment. Like, your brain, your I've brain is such a liar. Such a liar. The brain is such a fraud, dude. There was a moment where I, I was really like, oh yeah, this will be fine. And then I had a full on panic, like, oh, I'm about to sleep through. Right. <laughs> this interview. So yeah, I'm glad. I'm glad I've, we're all. I've, I've made that. I'm glad we're all times. here despite the circumstances. You know, against all odds. Against all odds. We made it. Shout out Phil Collins. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's the hero's journey. Yeah. Beautiful song. I also, I forget that like Dune 2021 is out. And so every time somebody's like, yeah, I'm going to go see Dune, my brain needs to like process that it's not like the David Lynch movie from the 80s. <laughs> right. <laughs> it's just like having a comeback. I feel like it, I'm happy that they made it again because for starters, I love Dave Bautista in, every, in anything and everything. I think he's sure. just, just such a cute, like big teddy bear. <laughs> and um, so Drax I, I, the Destroyer. Yeah. I, I love I love Drax and everything he's done. And also I'm a huge fan of like well done sci-fi movies, so I'm excited to see how this one turns out. I think sci-fi had a relatively bad rap for what felt like a decade and like suddenly because of superhero movies, there's like an there's like an upsell in like quality sci-fi. And so when quality sci-fi comes out, I always invest 
money to go see it. Yeah, I'm I, I'm a huge uh, sci-fi nerd. I also I'm I'm very obsessed with like time travel movies, but mm-hmm. I have a very specific and and low bar. My only viral TikTok, if you will, is me ranting about how good the time travel in Prisoner of Azkaban is. Oh wow! Um, <laughs> I haven't had that thought before. It has been like. <laughs> 10 years since I've seen that or something. Oh, it's, it's worth the rewatch. Especially, uh, I would argue that, that Harry Potter and the Prisoner of Azkaban is a sci-fi movie. The rest... <laughs> are fantasy. The rest are fantasy. That sounds yeah. like but a that, viral TikTok. That sounds like a viral yeah. TikTok. <laughs> well, because I just, I don't like the Back to the Future style of time travel. No. I don't like the campy time travel. The the Kennedy? I said campy, campy. Oh, I like, thought you said Kennedy. I'm just like, oh yeah, the, the entire <laughs> genre of trying to stop the Kennedy assassination. A surprisingly rich genre. <laughs> the entire premise of the season two of the Umbrella Academy. Yeah, exactly. Right? So, uh, yeah, I just... That's a good show, too. That is a good show that I disagree with the time travel mechanics of. I mean, you're a, probably a, right. interesting timeline? It it has what I would say is the not the worst, but then like the middle tier type of time travel, which is branching timelines, mm. which mm. like the Marvel films have. Right, they like do the multiverse, whatever. Yeah, the and I'm like, okay, okay. but I, I prefer I prefer my time travel prisoner. Need and, need and clean, need and clean. One timeline, bootstraps, paradox, and all. Yeah, love that. And you know what's so interesting is looking back on those movies. Prisoner of Azkaban was my favorite book. But my favorite movie has to be the one with the huge competition. Which one is it? Goblet of Fire? Goblet of Goblet Fire. Fire. That yeah, really yeah, fun. That's got to be my favorite movie just because of like the world building. And like it really felt like when I was watching that, like that I was in the movie at the time. And that was one of the few Harry Potter movies where I really felt like I was, except for the first one, obviously. Well, I think it was just like around that time was really the crux of like phenomenal CGI too. Like I think that mm-hmm. like when... CGI really started to get good was around like the third, fourth, fifth, mm-hmm. like Harry Potter like movie. Like that dragon? Like, oh yeah. Like Oof. all that stuff was Yeah, that was you know, crazy. I think, I mean, around the same time was like Dead Men's Chest. And I just think about like mm-hmm. the CGI and in, in the Pirates of the Caribbean stuff that's so good, you know? Mm-hmm. I don't know if you've ever watched the Netflix show Dark. It's a German show. So my wife was like obsessed with it for a while. <laughs> so I caught like glimpses of it here and there. But she she had started watching it and by the time she told me about it, she was already like seven episodes deep. So I never, you know. <laughs> it's worth it. And it's got like fixed point time travel. Like it's got like, you know, you can't really fuck with like the timeline time travel. I've never seen someone love. so passionate about time travel in movies. I love this. <laughs> <laughs> it's like it's like my very specific. It is the, literally the hill you will die on. Yeah. Like, that's I, that's you a would, cool hill to die You would die get on. in a bar fight over this. I will. If someone defended Back to the Future in a bar, you would punch them in the face. If I went back to the past... <laughs> And 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 met somebody who was defending like the time machine, like H G Wells. H G Wells, the books. I went back to the past. You know, mm-hmm. uh, I would I would be in a duel. I would duel them. Yeah, duel them duel on the street them. corner. <laughs> <laughs> Pistols at dawn. <laughs> so speaking of which, like, what did y'all think about Tenet? I loved it, and I felt that the the online sort of like um, sort of hate for it was really uncalled for. I don't know. I don't know. I like went in knowing what to expect for some reason, and just. Without presumptions, I I walked out loving it. I, I saw a tweet um, that was <laughs> like the other day, which was like, just saw Tenant, no volume, over the shoulder of the guy two rows ahead of me on the airplane. <laughs> I saw that tweet. <laughs> and let me just say, Christopher Nolan, you've, you've done, done it, it again. again. <laughs> yeah. Such a good tweet. I thought it was, I thought it was interesting. Like I thought like, obviously there were some really, really 
great, smart, high concept uh, stuff. I thought that like, as I have an issue with some of Nolan's stuff, that like the mechanics of it and like the spectacle of it kind of got in the way of like just a basic story and like totally good characters. I agree. But I also watched it like in a drive through, like a drive in theater on like my first date with, with my girlfriend. So uh, like, and it was a double feature with Synchronic, which is like a, like an indie sci-fi with Anthony Mackie that like the CGI doesn't hold up. (laughs) And I, I think by that point, it was the second movie I watched that night. It was really, really late. I was on a, a, on a first date and very, very nervous. And it was played through an FM speaker. Yeah. Like it was played on the FM radio. And I was kind of like checked out. <laughs> yeah. I mean, so maybe that, it's worth a new, maybe it's worth a new watch on an airplane. I almost watched down. it on, on my most recent plane flight. I was like, is this, is this, this is probably the only time I'm ever going to have the resources and willpower to watch Tenet mm-hmm. at the moment because I'm not going to see it in the theater at this point. Yeah, I think you should. I think you should go watch it if you haven't seen it. I okay. I simply like just how insane like of a director he is as far as like the lengths he'll go to like express a feeling. Uh, even if like I don't even care like about that it has no plot. I'm fully aware that there's oh, almost yeah. <laughs> no point to the movie. And no, he makes some, impressive movies. He does, he makes yeah. spectacular, like literally spectacular movies. I would see the shit out of a Christopher Nolan Pirates of the Caribbean movie. Think about it. That makes my head hurt, but I would watch. Yeah, the show I would watch that. that. It would be it would be better than the other ones. I think. I think that he has a like a knack to capture dramatic, like super over the top dramatic, like scenes without it being cheesy or corny. And it's that that I think is like the hook to all of his shit is like it's he can do like Michael Bay level, like explosive shit and have it feel like you're in it instead of have it just feel like it's Hollywood. And I think that's what I like about each of his scenes. It's like when those when they're like fighting in Tenet and like the like one of the teams is running for the other ones fighting in reverse, like when I saw that, I was like, how the fuck did they film this? Like, just the <laughs> shit they went through to, like, make that... Credit where it's due, if I am to die on the hill that I plan to die on, the time travel in Interstellar is great. It holds up. Yeah, it's it, great. It's exactly what I want. <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> on, on, a, on a somewhat related note, what would you say is, like, a great airplane movie? Not a movie that you are watching in on your airplane mm. journey, but that, like... If somebody is wa- like if somebody's watching it in front of you, that's what you're doing on that flight, whether you like it or not. <laughs> oh yeah, that happened to me re- recently with uh, Spider-Man: Far From Home. Mm. Someone was watching Spider-Man, which I've already seen, so I, I kind of just got to relive all the fun beats of it, watching it over someone's shoulder. I was like, yeah, this is a good plane movie. I mean, it's a great like like the- theatrical movie too, mm-hmm. but like especially as a second viewing on mute watching it occasionally in little bursts <laughs> over the course of two hours. I'm like, it holds up. Yeah. <laughs> like, oh yeah, that was good. I remember that. What about, what about you? Fucking, I don't know. You, it could be anything animated, honestly. Incredibles, <laughs> Cars 2. Like right. I remember someone was watching Cars 2 in front of me. I was like, man, not that bad, honestly. <laughs> For what it's worth, I think that one of the worst movies that has ever come out in the last like decade is uh, Wonder Woman 84. Mm. And there was one person watching, like, in front of me. I just wanted to tell them, like, it's not worth it. Like, can I, like, I don't want to, like, like intercept, (laughs) 
your life or your, I don't want like I don't want to assume I know you person, but but I could save you. Um, <laughs> and I feel like a bystander. You can't not. save everyone. And I decided to hold my tongue and not say anything, and and still I had to watch was also visually an eyesore uh, over this person's shoulder, and then the person next to them, as the movie was ending, started. <laughs> Oh my god! Started Wonder Woman eighty four. Different strokes for different folks. I like the first Wonder Woman me Wonder Woman movie. I, as I say, different names for different planes. You know, <laughs> this is true. Yeah, I heard. I heard the first Wonder Woman movie was like good. Yeah, it was. It was good. Yeah. It was. It was just like a like the the boss fight was a, was a CGI slop fest. But aside from that, the rest of it was was great, and I enjoyed it. I'm not the hugest like the biggest Chris Pine fan per se as like a you know romantic love interest or even as a main character. I don't I don't love him. Um but I think the rest of it was great. I the the fight scenes were really well choreographed, which is like my biggest sort of I'm a stickler for in superhero movies. As we were saying before the the podcast started, uh, I think what's so nice about us like meeting now is that uh, in a lot of ways I've like known of you and we've had like tangential encounters, but but we've never talked like face to face. You've collaborated with podcast alumni and friends of ours like Axel Mansoor and Charlie Curtis Beard and Johan Lennox, and it's just yeah, it's just really. I think I even like covered you in a blog once back when I was blog writing. Like it's just really nice to like to 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 meet yeah, you. Yeah, it's and, nice and to finally to... link. <laughs> what a what a crazy series of coincidences. It's a small small world. I think it speaks to to you and to them and everybody like. All the people I've named are so community oriented. I think that we have been, all of us have been lucky enough to be parts of the the communities that they've built, um, and then have brought them into our world as well. You know, like for us, we have the podcast. Like for you, like your record is is so collaborative. Like I think that when you meet people who are so uh, devoted to community like that, you just wind up in the same house, so to speak. You know, this is true. Yeah, this is true. I want to uh, turn the clock back a little bit, though. First, one ask where in the world are you, Mister Nomad? Mm-hmm. And uh, and then secondly, um, where in the world you started? <laughs> so the most interesting part parts of my life were probably in between both of the questions you asked me. But currently, I'm <laughs> currently I'm in Austin, Texas, and I I, I dropped out the womb in Chennai, uh, which is South India, which is a city in South India. So I'm directly, so I'm 100% Indian. I was born in India and current, currently I'm in Austin, Texas. I mean, that's, that's, that's awesome. So you, I mean, you guys have a lot in, in you've seen more of the world than me is all I'll say, but you have, are you nomadic? Is that, is that, does that name? I was, my whole family was for a while. They still are. I'm not as much because I moved out of home. But um, after I was born, about four years after I was born, my, my dad got, he finally joined the Indian Foreign Service, which oh, wow. is like for diplomats and like, well, and then there's like obviously the Indian like military who also travel here and there, kind of like United States. So as a diplomatic family, every three to four years, you get posted in a different country and you work under the ambassador or as the ambassador for that country um, representing India. Um, wow. And I mean, in that country representing India. So for the after after I was four, 
uh, we moved to Beijing for four years. And then we moved to Hong Kong after that for four years. And then we moved to India for six months for some reason. And then we moved back to Beijing for four years. Then we moved back to India for like 10 months. Then we moved to the Fiji Islands for four years. Then I went oh. back to India again for like five months or something like that. Then I came to California for college. And this is when I branched off from my family. They've still been moving around. And um, then after... Where'd you go to college? Uh, California Lutheran University. It's really just okay. like a random college in a small town. But they had really good scholarships for international students. And I applied for a work visa to stay in the United States. Got denied. And right before I graduated, that's when I met my wife. So we were dating and I got denied the work visa. So then I had to leave the United States after five years of being there. So I then moved to France for a year and then applied for another student visa. And I was studying French in France. And when I came back, we, me and my wife at the time, girlfriend, uh, moved to Austin together at the same time. This is three years ago. And then I applied for a talent visa about six months into living into Austin. Got it. So then we started settling in over here. That is ending or has ended around about this year. And so in 2020, I proposed to her and we got engaged. And then at the end of 2020, we got married deep in coronavirus. And oh, wow. We did like a Zoom wedding. So now I'm like here pretty much. And we just applied for a marriage visa. I love that. Very I fun. love that. So we've been together for like eight or nine years. So pretty, pretty crazy. A lot of the meat of my, my narrative is between my birth <laughs> and Austin, Texas. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I got to ask, how did you guys meet? We've been married for about a year. Um, we met in college through a mutual friend who is, you know, we're still friends with and uh, was one, one of my best friends. We used to play, uh, you know, Super Smash Bros. Melee in the dorm rooms together all the time. And um, I met her through him and we met and never talked for like a year. And then we <laughs> hung out once and then it went from there. I love that. That's awesome. Uh, I only have one important follow-up question, which is who do you main in Melee? <laughs> in Melee, Falco. Nice, nice. Uh, on, we the love new a... one, on the new one, Samus. Like Zero Suit or regular? Regular. Nice. Regular and dark. I'm a, I'm a young Link person. Oof. Yeah. That's or or adult link for crowd control for crowd control nice <laughs> for the up with the upbeat yeah it's no it's actually I, I like uh, throwing the bombs around and just kind of doing the the misdirection that's so trolly but I, I respect it whatever whatever yeah. gets you the W we're both uh, pretty video game nerded out here are you um, what do you guys play? yeah so I started playing Overwatch March of 2020 and then I, I actually just got. Uh, Bloodborne, and I've never played nice. a Souls like before. And I literally was just like texting my brother. I'm like, "Is this supposed to be like this hard?" When did you just get it? <laughs> like a week ago. Okay, yeah, it is supposed to be that hard, and it doesn't get better. In fact, it gets way, way, way worse. I, I just beat um Father Garcion or whatever, and and now I feel like a god. Like now I'm like, oh, I'm just <laughs> yeah, really dude. good at this. <laughs> the the sort of like no. that's the thing with Souls like games is they'll literally like deprive you of your ability to believe in yourself. But when you beat a boss or like even a mini boss, you're like, oh my god, thank the Lord. Like when you like I I play Sekiro, and Sekiro is just like oh, yeah. obnoxiously difficult, and it punishes you for losing, which is like just such a ridiculous concept <laughs> that I haven't like it punishes you after you lose like you go in with less <laughs> shit after you lose 
So it's high <laughs> stakes when you start the game. I don't know why they make games like that, but for some reason, like just the payoff is just so good. So that's why well, people keep and, playing it. And what I do like about Bloodborne is that it does do a good job of letting you breathe like right after you want that break. Mm-hmm. Like it does a really good job of like almost like horror movies where you're like, I can't take it. Any- like this is too much. This is too much. And then right. you get that like, and then it's the morning shot and you're fine. Moment of like, peace. Yeah. R- like right after the moment, like where you're out of your discomfort zone, like, you know, Bloodborne, you're like, I, I haven't had a checkpoint in hours. I'm, I'm sweating. Yeah. I have two health packs, like, and they don't give you the save. And then 10 minutes later, they give you the save. Right. Mm-hmm. But then, you know, on the other side, what I really appreciate is that it doesn't let you just kind of mindlessly, casually, like, stroll through it. Like, you could get fucked up by, like, a minor uh, enemy. Mm-hmm. I've been replaying the Arkham series just because that's one of my favorite game series. And in my shoulder recovery, I'm just like, I just need, like, a comfort food video game. Like, I just need something that's, like, familiar. But I have been playing them on hard. And the Arkham games on hard are hard. Like any, literally any fight. Like, I mean, the Batman games are a power <laughs> fantasy, right? Like you just press yeah. square and you win, yeah. right? It is not that way when you play these games on hard. Like any in any encounter could be the end of you. I I've I am losing so embarrassingly much despite being pretty good at these games because it's just like the difficulty. Like, you can take like three hits and then you're out. And then the boss fights in the first game are like absolutely brutal. I it, it was I was like banging my head against the wall for some of these boss fights for like days. And I'm like, is it, I'm supposed to be Batman. But then when you, like, like any of these like hard games, when you, when you eventually get it, it's like, oh, it's such a good feeling. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I've only played Asylum. I mean, that's, the, that's arguably the best. Yeah. Because it's a <laughs> contained like experience. One. Yeah. It just gets crazier and crazier as it goes on. You, I know you mentioned that like you do uh, Twitch and, and, and editing and stuff. Like uh, how, how long have you been doing that? And, and what do you usually play on your channel? I usually play like I'm a variety streamer. So I just play whatever I'm playing. Uh, at the time twitch is like a very finicky thing where like you know a lot of people will be like oh he's an apex streamer oh he's like a warzone streamer and like build a following off of that this is just something i like to do to the side that gives me sort of like my little case of joy and it's like just for me and i have like people who uh, people who watch me so currently i play a lot of apex and i've been playing i've been playing apex for about two months or something right now so I'm not I'm not really that good and I usually get put in like these lobbies with these with people who are just absolute dog shit. So it's like kind of <laughs> fun for me right now because I I just came off of like a year bender of Warzone and Warzone is like the worst game and made by the worst company probably. Um, <laughs> yeah. Terrible company, dog shit game. Uh so I'm not playing that anymore but I play I play a lot of Apex and I've been playing the new game that came out Deathloop which I highly recommend. Oh man. So good. I didn't think it would be good but it's really good. It looks great and and obviously it does have a you know that sort of roguelike vibe to it. And you like time travel. And so time travel. And time travel. It's a really cool concept if you if you're not aware of what it is it's literally just like a loop of one day that you play well every and, and that everybody experiences it's not just like edge of tomorrow right but you only you only you and a select few others remember what happened so only you and like a few other npcs will remember what happened and it, it tells you that so you can at the end of every day you wake up again and you don't have anything you had the day before but there is this 
there is this material you can pick up while you're exploring the world and while you like go go around killing people called residuum which right. allows, allows you to infuse like gear that you have that day to bring it with you forever. So then you have it forever. And then you can pick up like powers and shit. I don't know if you played Dishonored, but it's a lot like Dishonored. It's yeah, by it's the same the, company yeah. as Dishonored, yeah, right? Yeah, Arcane, yeah. So yeah, it's it's fucking dope. And it's really cool. And honestly, the NPCs are are kind of dim. They're like kind of stupid. So it's it's hilarious the type of shit you can pull off. You can be in a boss fight and just like melee spam them to death and it's hilarious. <laughs> it's super fun. For, for me, I like, as much as I like online games, like I I think that like my limit is like Sea of Thieves and um and like Overwatch. <laughs> like I think that like I need something where... I played some Sea of Thieves too. It's fun. Oh, sea of Thieves is really special. Um, Speaking of Pirates of the Caribbean. But I, I just think I need something where like the... I can like stop playing because, or like that I hit like some sort mm-hmm. of objective mark and then I'm done. Yeah. Um. I, or like a, or or a single player game because I just like you know I I could convince myself to play something for eight hours and I think that until I'm the kind of person who can't do that I need mm. something that has more discipline baked into it. That's my thing. You know. Makes a lot of sense. I agree with that. One of the reasons why we do what what we do is because we are capable of doing things for eight hours. We make tunes. You know. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the goalpost, you know, is never ending with online multiplayer. Uh, yeah. It just keeps extending unless you're ranked number one in the fucking world. And even, even then you have to keep that title. Yeah, exactly. It's a full-time job at that point. Yeah. Coming for the crown. Right. And when you 100% a, a single-player campaign, like, it just, it feels so good. I'm, I'm, I'm the same way, too. Like, I enjoy multiplayer because I get to play with people and I, you know, I play with fans of my Discord and stuff. But my favorite game of all time is probably, like, if I had to pick, would have to be, like, Doom 2016 and, like, the old Doom nice. games, too. Like, I just love Doom. I'm, like, obsessed with Doom. I'm literally getting a custom Doom Slayer helmet rug shipped in this week. <laughs> Incredible. Uh, yeah, so I'm, like, obsessed with Doom, and I and I love Doom. So I like Doom-likes and, you know, FPS, you know, single-player games or, you know, third-person shooter games where you can just 100% the campaign and be satisfied. But I think, honestly, like, growing up with video games was so important to like our ability to stomach the industry in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. Uh, similar to what we were saying about like souls and Batman is just like so much of what's built into video games is losing. Yeah. And losing for, for I tried my best and, and I still failed or losing because the team doesn't work yeah. or losing because, you know, like you, you did something stupid. And just accepting all of those things. Like, I I think I saw a tweet once, which is just like, how old were you when you were uh, booed off stage in Guitar Hero for trying your best? <laughs> yeah, no, exactly. <laughs> yeah, that's rough. <laughs> but that's the thing is like, I think it kind of teaches you to be like, okay with that, like, dynamic. Okay with that, yeah. Of just like playing again. I've had a couple nights where, you know, like broken a controller, maybe. <laughs> here and there you know throwing the mouse at the wall i play mouse and keyboard on most of most of these games so i now i have a nice mouse and a nice keyboard so i'm like very cautious about it but when i sometimes when i lose i'm i'm at the top of my volume i um I, i've been okay with with the rage i am a lot more like passive aggressive and i think the first time i think the first time my, my girlfriend heard me go on comms she was like i have never seen <laughs> like i'm mean on comms i'm like i've you, heard you from the other room I'm like wow he's really digging into that person <laughs> yeah i'm like i'm like 
you can't make a single fucking healing shot with Anna and you're still going to be Anna. Like you're going to just ruin it for us. Like that's what you're deciding to do today. Like you decided to wake up and be garbage. And I'm not a mean person, but I am on comms. I'm just the most toxic team <laughs> member when we're really like in the shit of it. It's so hard <laughs> not to be like, even on, even when I'm playing like something is, I mean, Apex is way more chill. You know, people don't yell at each other. Like kind of like with Call of Duty, like is Call of Duty is a shit fest, but People don't yell at each other on Apex as much. But, you know, I'll be in Discord, like, general voice chat with, like... And everyone will be hanging out. Like, all my fans will be hanging out. They'll be, like, playing Jackbox or something. And I'll just be playing Apex. And then they'll all just be, like, talking about life or some shit. And then they'll just hear, <laughs> dog shit, dog shit, dog shit. And there's me at the top <laughs> of my lungs just fucking screaming. And, yeah, sometimes it just has to be done. You know, I have to get it out of my system. I can't leave it in there. Well, and that's the thing. I think it is just getting it out of your system. Like, I think that I, today, I went to get coffee. And there was a gigantic, like, Ram truck. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah. Like, the, the truck that's, like, eight feet high. Mm -hmm. And, like, like a little like too big for humans. Seventy feet wide. Um, and it was parked half, like, a, a small little, like, parking lot. And it was parked in, like, a compact spot, blocking, like, how you get around this parking lot. And was parked halfway on the on the divider, so it was it was as if like you know you have the two two white lines. The white line was running between this truck, and then and and I didn't know who it was, and I couldn't say anything. And then we were driving back, and it, it's a, it's a like a red light, and out of nowhere, there's a, a jeep that just zooms like goes out of the lane into oncoming traffic, like shoots up, like goes through the red light, makes the right turn and is gone, you know, into the night. And you can't say anything and you can't do anything. And then you come home and you put on Overwatch. Garbage, garbage, <laughs> yeah. garbage. That's the way to do it. Yeah, let it all out. Stopping the podcast to shout out one of our sponsors, The Truffleist. Noah, you like to cook. I do like to cook. You're actually very good at cooking. I'd say I'm decent. But I think that the thing about cooking that you have taught me is that flavor is everything. Truly. You got to bring in little flavors that you wouldn't expect. And one of my favorite flavors is the taste of truffles. A great flavor. But we are so lucky to have The Truffleist as a sponsor for Talking Lion. Founded by Jimmy Coons and based in Long Island City, Queens, The Truffleist creates artfully handcrafted truffle products of the highest quality and flavor. While their truffles are imported from the countrysides of Italy, France, and Spain, they proudly source many of their base ingredients locally from small farms and artisanal producers. They offer a variety of truffle products, from truffle oil and truffle butter, to truffle salami and honey, to even truffle hot sauce. I love truffle hot sauce. They've also recently launched cheesesteaks by the Truffleist, so keep an eye out for pop-ups in your area. So bring the taste of truffle into your life. You can use the code LIONPOD15 for 15% off your order through October 31st. Now back to the show. When did you evolve from Abby the person to Abby the nomad? When did you begin your musical journey? I always thought I like I wanted to like fit in and like in high school and stuff like that. So I would, you know, say and do very, very like relatable things and have very relatable opinions publicly just because other people would maybe think they were cool. But then, you know, moving to college and stuff, I realized that I just naturally don't fit in because I don't have the same sort of like, I don't have the same values or the same mindset as a lot of people. 
I don't have a home. I don't really like relate to a flag or a culture since I was most of my life, I was brought up in various different countries. I speak like three languages. I don't really like relate, like nothing really means like home. I don't have friends from like elementary school. I don't have like, you know, a hometown, a home neighborhood or any of that shit. So I think coming to accept and realize that and realizing that in college helped me sort of just name myself that. And I may not be nomadic anymore, but I really don't like, you know, I, I, I think those values and the way I view the world will, will stick with me uh, at the core at least. So I'm sticking with the name as far as I'm concerned for now, because, you know, that's the, the way I grew up. That's just the way I am. And that, that name. Did you start making music in college? No, I started making music when I was 13. Oh, I'll do it. Yeah, it was so bad. <laughs> I mean, that's how it has to be. If, yeah. if you're making good music at 13, uh, fuck you. Like, <laughs> yeah, what's your deal? <laughs> yeah, what's your deal? Yeah, so I started like making, I first got, um, I don't know if you guys remember, but the first ever Mac laptop was like the iBook and it was like white and it like flipped out. Well, no, the first ever like modern Mac laptop. The old ones were like had the colored backs, but it was called the iBook G4. And we used to borrow them in school uh, from like the tech lab to like do our homework assignments on. So I would borrow it and I noticed that like GarageBand was on it. So I'd like nice. start tinkering nice. with that. And eventually at like 16, I was like, you know, I need my own iBook. Um, so my parents got me one and they were convinced that I wasn't going to do anything with it. So they got me like a really shitty like USB mic. So I started making music on that. So I was making remixes up until like 15, 16 on GarageBand. And then I got a USB mic and I was making songs from like 16 to to like 17-ish. And then around that time, I got Logic Pro for my birthday. And then I got a um, like an interface and like a mic. And I took the, that the to Garage Band Logic Pipeline. Garage Band Logic Pipeline. I know it very Classic well. Classic Pipeline. That's how Apple does. It's crazy. Like I'm, I'm now thinking because your story made me think of like how big a deal it was when I got my first Scarlet. Like that mm-hmm. was like whoa. Like I have like an interface now, and now it's yeah. just like in a drawer that we use it sometimes because I have an Apollo now. But like, yeah, it was like this life changing thing to like have an interface and be able to record a on digital audio it really was yeah exactly yeah. did not it, just it record was, on a usb mic i also i also got a usb guitar that was also a huge deal because like that i just wild. didn't know how audio still, worked i didn't that's know that still like, wild you, you were you know that you're traditionally supposed to get a regular guitar and then run it through an interface i was just like how do you how like i pr- probably googled how to plug guitar into computer and this usb guitar popped <laughs> up that had built-in <laughs> digital audio conversion uh and it sounded like absolute ass but it it was my first guitar and I still have it and I still love it. Whatever works works, right? Whatever whatever gets like that's that's the crazy thing about when you start making music. Like <laughs> we also definitely sound like because like we were in that space, which in it we were we were in that space where like the di- the digital thing was just starting to happen oh. and like nobody was really sure if it was meant to be for like kids or adults or amateurs yeah. or pros and there wasn't like a like now. Now it's way more streamlined. Now yeah. it's like if you want to do this, uh, you can get Pro Tools for you know thirty bucks a month, right? Uh, you know, and and rent you know rent all these softwares, rent to own or whatever. Like, and you have your iLocks and and stuff. But back back then, it was just like okay, if I get this piece of hardware and like mm-hmm. this thing, we'll <laughs> we'll be able to put these two things together to make the thing. You know, you got to respect that GarageBand was like free though. Yeah, I love that. Like the fact that it was just on on the Mac for for us like bright-eyed kids to play around with is, is like 
I would probably not be the same person if it weren't for that. I would, yeah, same. I would not be the same person. I probably wouldn't have even started making music. I just thought it was a cool thing to start messing around with. Yeah, it's like Legos. Yeah, it's like like it's exactly like Legos. Even when I got my first cardioid mic, it was like a I think an M Audio mic, and um, I didn't know that you needed phantom power, so I just right. got it and just like it wasn't working, and I was like, what? And then I had to get a phantom power box because the interface I had didn't <laughs> have phantom power in it. You know, when I when I first like started, I was making like instrumental stuff because I didn't have a mic and I couldn't afford a mic. And then I was cleaning the garage as like a chore. And I like stumble upon this box of my dad's old audio equipment. And it, it felt kind of like in the movie when you find like the relic, like like there was just like there was an Indiana Jones moment of me like dusting off a little bit and, and like squinting and like light streams in through like the small window of the garage. And it's just like there is like a C414 from the mm-hmm. 80s. That, <laughs> the I'm, one, the that, one that I'm currently, currently talking, talking into. into. That's my I'm favorite. Like, That's what I record on when I do final. <laughs> it's in my closet, the, the C414. It's. I mean, it's a. It's a great mic, and this one has survived thirteen-year-old Nate not knowing how phantom power works. <laughs> it's been through the ringer. Love that. I feel like you guys have have like similar nomadic stories. Like whereas, like I, I feel like you know, for me, I grew up in the same the same hometown, like this one square mile town called Dobbs Ferry, and I was there for eighteen years. Then I moved to Boston and came out to LA. I would walk everywhere my my best friends then are my best friends now like it was all very like you are here and you are you know the, the vibe of the town is like you are gonna die here wow and you know and people do <laughs> people do and then i you know and then i meet somebody like noah who who did jump around it, just because we don't actually know each other my basically my i have like i'm like nomad lights like i lived in two places like i i'm american but i grew up in zimbabwe and spent a, a good chunk of my life in italy uh, and my dad did a lot of like moving around. That's pretty around nomadic. Africa, you, yeah, like more nomadic than your average American. But obviously I had friends like you who were like military or private sector who moved around mm-hmm. every two years or like people, even people who worked in the film industry who would move like every UN. year and a half. Yeah, my dad works at the UN. Nice. So so I have, I have, especially now that my parents have been in Italy for, they've been in the same apartment for 10 years, which is the longest they've lived anywhere. Like there's, roots are starting to set in, but they're about to get uprooted because they're moving <laughs> to California. So like, philosophically, even though I haven't lived in a ton of places, I still have that like global mindset of I was born just into the world instead of being born into one particular place. Totally, totally. And I, and I think, I think that's really cool. It's, I mean, I think that's what, that's what makes it cool is like having, having friends that have had the opposite experience of that. And then you having that is, it's like a cool balance of like ideologies and like trying to compare. Yeah, like, definitely. Well, and a, and a lot of like our early friendship was like, I'm just going to be in your life as long as you want because I'm here. Like, that's just what our, my friendships were like. It was like, oh, we're all living here. We're all here. We're all just going yeah. like, to stay. Like, and there isn't that sort of fraught. Yeah. For me, it's just like, oh, like, why are we friends with you? You're going to leave. Everyone leaves eventually. Everyone like, or I leave eventually. Yeah. Like, that was a huge thing growing up. I'm sure yeah, it was. It was. Did you have that experience? Yeah, or? totally. People would be like, I mean, like, it would be difficult for me to get into any sort of like committed relationships whether it was romantic or non-romantic because i'd be leaving eventually anyways and i did not really attach myself to anyone like i would jump friend groups all the time and people would think that i was i mean people had reservations about that but it's really just because i felt like everyone should i i I thought that everyone was kind of like me where they just kind of like 
depended on only themselves and just kind of did their own thing, which is what I've been doing my whole life is I've, I've just been doing my own thing. I mean, now I'm married, but even, even through that, my wife knows that I'm just someone who just does my own thing. It's kind of a solo dolo. Well, I think, I think it's important obviously to find the people who, who like meet you where you are. Totally. Like even, even my friends I grew up with are definitely a, a lot more comfortable in, in settling than I, than I am. Yeah. Um, I have the, the, the terrible balance of, of, feeling very flighty like like that i'm always ready to kind of like go but also you know liking comfort mm-hmm. liking yeah. you know um uh i'm a souls like if you will um <laughs> i don't know i just thought you guys had a lot a lot in common yeah that's in that that's space, really cool you know? what what the fuck is zimbabwe like <laughs> it's it's an interesting place it was uh uh politically fraught and uh Stymied by hyperinflation, uh, the likes of which the world has almost never seen. Isn't it like trillion dollar bills? Yeah, like literally trillion dollar bills. I mean, now now they've just pinned their currency to the U.S. dollar. But when I was living there, you know, my dad would be carrying around duffel bags full of money, just because that's how he got paid was in duffel bags full of money, not for any like by official, like by the UN. He got I'll paid imagine in like, like your dad walking with two duffel bags full of bills. Yeah, <laughs> like that's that's insane. I yeah, didn't know that the crazy. currency was inflated like that over there. Yeah, it was, this is back in like the early 2000s. It, right. it hit this like crazy period of hyperinflation. And yeah, now now I think they just have pinned their currency to the dollar. They just use the dollar. I forget. There was some big economic turnover. I feel like that shapes you. And in yeah, a, in for a, sure. In a, at least in a, in a way that, you know, you kind of, you learned through experience, whereas a lot of people don't have that privilege of learning through experience. Yeah, I definitely think it made me a, a a more empathetic and worldly and like a person invested in in mm-hmm. in the world and in the state of the world and in in the the nuances of the world. I was going to ask what um what was what was your experience generally like in Hong Kong and Beijing? So Beijing is like is kind of like um we went for like a week. We did, did some, you some uh, we taught like some classes there and played some shows and that's had, awesome um, Bing on the street corner yeah john like bing is town. fantastic um beijing has uh, and i will die on this hill this is my hill to die on chinese cuisine is the best cuisine in the world um Facts. and mainland chinese cuisine and sichuanese cuisine is the best cuisine in china and i think that i think that for the sole experience of the food everyone in the world should go it is it is beyond me how good it was. There's a there's a Jambing hole in my heart. Oh my god, every day I wake <laughs> up and I crave that shit. It's so good. It's so fucking good. And my and head. mind you, like I'm I I grew up in New York, so like I also grew up with great like yeah. American Chinese food. Like I grew up with like the best takeout. New York, I would say, is like the closest to like great international food in the United States, I would say. There was a Jean Bing truck in in New York. In New York. <laughs> mm-hmm. They do that shit well. They they really bring the people from the shit and put them there and like they make like the authentic shit in New York. So good. Yeah. So Beijing was so China and Hong Kong were weird um racially. Um once again, Hong Kong was probably where I experienced the most racism in my entire life, probably. I don't know why that is specifically. I can't speak to the history on it. I do know that they've been trying to secede from, you know, the Democratic People's Republic of China for um, a while. Um, 
So I don't understand where that comes from or where it came from when I was younger. What years were you there? It was like before this was before I went into like upper middle school. So it must have been like early 2000s, like super early 2000s. Because wasn't there SARS in Hong Kong around that time? I lived through that. I lived through a I can speak on this, too, as apparently a pandemic is a brand new thing over here. I've lived through at least two (laughs) bird flu and SARS, and I survived both. And I had to wear masks in school going to elementary school. So it is not, you know, absurd. It is very normal. That was a thing. Like, it, like this, this yeah. is not new in the world, you know? It's very much a thing. It's boy, it's all the shit you do to avoid it spreading. It's very normal that it, it happened. It, it has happened throughout human history. And luckily, you know, me and my family survived. There was abysmal rates of people catching that shit and dying uh, during the peak of it. It was so bad. But yeah, the I mean, some of the best, you know, most shaping years of my life were in China and Hong Kong and obviously some of the best food. That's when I first played my first, you know, few games, you know, like Mario and DK64 and like Super Smash Bros. 64. (laughs) It was like all in Hong Kong and shit. Pausing the podcast to shout out our sponsor, New Wave. No, I've been drinking coffee my entire life. You know, as a, as a Roman, same. As a New Yorker, absolutely. It's our birthright. It's our birthright. We came out of the womb drinking coffee. Fully caffeinated. And the thing is, is that we're not getting any younger. That's true. And we're not getting any less anxious. Oh man, that's true too. I'll say I have loved coffee my whole life, but lately it hasn't really been agreeing with me. How so? Unfortunately, when I drink coffee now, I just start feeling very agitated, very anxious. I've been looking around for alternatives that don't make my heart just beat out of my chest while I'm in the middle of working. And that's how we stumbled upon New Wave. New Wave's Flow State Coffee is an organic ground coffee meant to lower anxiety, improve brain function, and support creativity. With L-theanine and raw cacao, Flow State Coffee is meant to feel like a cup of hot chocolate or tea while giving the energy of coffee. And now, through Talking Lion, you can try a couple cups of your own. If you go to their website, newwave.co, that's N-O-O, wave.co, you can use the code BREWINGLION for 10% off your first order. We hope you get a creative boost and find your flow state. Now, back to the show. I want to ask you about sex and also drugs. (laughs) I like them both. You could actually, uh, I could shorten that sentence to sex, apostrophe, N, drugs. True. That's a a fucking great song. Um, Thank you. And it's been stuck in my head all morning. Thank you. Tell me about making that song and what inspired it. Sure. So I don't know what inspired the lyrics. I just know that when I made it, I used every instrument in that is played through this keyboard back here. (laughs) <laughs> and this won't help audio viewers, but I'm holding up a like a child size keyboard. And I also had a child size guitar at the time. I made that song in France. So all of it was recorded in my studio apartment in France with the AKG 214. And it was just kind of a bunch of chords that I that I put together. And then I had that that wah guitar that I recorded through like the mic and then through like a fake wah filter on it. And I just played that melody. Bye. <laughs> 
I just played the I played the melody and the first words that came to my head were so it's a lot it's a lot less deeper than people think it is at the same time it's not actually about having sex and doing drugs it's about the way I wrote the verses at least is about you know not trying to be uh, too cool and fit in and more so just you know accepting yourself and I feel like you know, during college and stuff, I went through that phase of like, you know, experimenting a little too much to try to like, you know, have the same experiences as my, as my peers and like trying to go for the same things. Whereas I, I could have just been myself the whole time. I love that. I, I I have to note that the first time I listened to it, I thought the opening line was, I don't need sex and drugs. And I'm like, and for a second, I was like, okay, I get it. Cornering, cornering the... <laughs> The abstinence market, <laughs> uh, we appreciate a guy getting the bag. <laughs> huge market. <laughs> hey, you know what? Whatever gets you the bag, it's a, it's a big market still. It was uh, it was just really funny because I, I like literally like looked up the lyrics. I was I was just like, I'm not about. We're not about to have like a like a, a conversation of, about like the morals of, of, of sex and drugs. <laughs> I just was. Mind you, I enjoy both. Yeah, I don't smoke weed anymore, but. I did smoke a lot of weed in college. So, I mean, a lot of people would notice, like I have a bunch of songs about weed and those are from past experiences. And people think that I'm like some sort of like raving sort of like sex addict that does a bunch of drugs. (laughs) Those things are true. Is there a line in sex and drugs that you like particularly? I'll say I love that you're cucumber cool. Thank you. Thank you. I try to be cucumber cool. So my favorite line is probably... The features verse is the better verse. My friend Harrison, who did the feature, and his verse, I think, is is far better lyrically. And I think those have that verse has my favorite lines. Never seen so many people I didn't like. Never met so many women that weren't my type. Never wanted to wash my hands from all the shakes. I've come to sleep with all the shadows because my sheets are full of shape now. I mean, I always was the nice guy. I mean, I always played the suit. And then he says something about like, never wanted to wash my hands from all the sheets because I sleep with my shadows or something. And it was like super deep and dark. And I thought that line was super fucking cool. And I don't know why he had to go ahead and body me on my own track like that. Kind of fucked up. (laughs) So fuck that. Well, you know, you you know that I'm bag when I heard that. Oh my, I got hype, you know? Yeah, I'm sure you did. We love it. We love a good Charlie moment. Mm-hmm. And that's my segue into Abby versus the universe. Tell me about making that record. Cause it's a great record. And what I love about the record is that it is collaborative. You are bending genres. Like you can slide into different styles so easily. Like, I just love that it's cohesive cause it's you, but there's so much flavor that's brought from blending these genres and writing styles and the collaboratives you bring in. Thank you. I appreciate that. I think a lot of people don't know that the original, or a lot of my fans don't know, that the original track list was actually very different. And we had a previous three singles that we released before we even announced this album that were supposed to be on the original track list, but never made it. Because I had made a whole track list of songs for this album specifically, and then we couldn't release it because we didn't have enough content. There wasn't enough time, and coronavirus had just hit. We had all these plans. We had a tour sort of on hold. All that went, you know down the drain. And then that kind of soured my experience with those other songs that I had ready to go. Um, 
So I decided to start fresh and start a clean slate uh, and keep some of the original ones, like maybe like three of them that were originally there. And so I made, there has to be like around 35 songs made for this album um, and only 13 stayed. So these songs are, you know, they stood the test of time over two years. And that's what makes it special for me is, is uh, the test of time is like something that not a lot of us have the privilege of having in this day and age of releasing music. So I'm glad that at least for this album effort, I, I, I had time. And even though it was a really difficult time with not being able to do shows or get any feedback on any of this stuff, I had the privilege of kind of looking back at all the music and being like, okay, this is what works. This is what doesn't work. So yeah, that was kind of the process. You know, I think this is the first album where I've let a bunch of other people produce the joints too. When you're talking about collaborative, I really went full collaborative. I mixed most of the joints and I even had someone else mix one of the, one of the songs and someone else did the mastering and we hired someone to do the artwork. So it was really collaborative all around. Every effort of the album is collaborative and the personnel list is, you know, is much bigger than it has been for me in the past, you know, different bass players, different, you know, whole horn sections that I had to credit a violin player. So just such a, such a fantastic way to put an album together with, with all these different heads being excited about the same thing, I think is, uh, is a really cool thing to me. That's awesome. And, and it shows, I mean, I really think we, we had a similar experience where we were working on a record right before COVID hit. And then when it hit, we basically took all the songs that, that never, that weren't going to see the light of day had it not been for it. And like, so being able to not only have that experience, but then we're, we're back to working on the record and feeling that test of time. Like, I think when you have this weird opportunity to sit with your songs, especially in our, this culture of like, get this out, get this out, get this out. It really shows you how you feel about it when there isn't that like, you know, looming, um, totally threat of like, Oh, you got to put this shit out now or, or it's over. Mm -hmm. Um, do you have a particularly favorite song on the record or a song that sort of embodies that, timeline that that you had for it sure i think circle is my favorite with johan with johan yeah and that's the last track and a cool thing about that track which i've only explained in certain instances is that it's in the same key as the first track um so it the album is kind of like a circle so it circles around and if you loop the album it'll it'll play flawlessly front to back uh again and again which I'm not asking anyone to do, but hey, if you want to pay my bills, go for it. Um, <laughs> secondly, I think you know that song is really like capturing captures the essence of me. Uh, all of the above, tra- all of the tracks above it can kind of fit into that one song. It's still got the funk, it's still got a little bit of groove, but it's also very personal. It's like the most personal I've gotten on the album. I think um, it's the most personal song I've released in a while. Too. And so that's that's why that one's my favorite. And it's kind of a journey musically. And you know, Johan comes in right at the end and he kills his part. So I just I love songs that are just rich and don't conform to any sort of, you know, structure. That's something I really, really appreciate about your music is that it it is always messing with expectations, but never in a way that 
makes the listening experience difficult. Um, and I think that that's a really tough balance to drive. I think you do a really good job with that. Thank you. It is very difficult. <laughs> it's not easy. Pausing the podcast to remind you that we have a Patreon that you can subscribe to if you want to support the show. If you're enjoying this episode, but you're thinking that you've got a burning question for an artist, or you just want to talk with us, or maybe you just want to mug with our faces, our Patreon's the way to go. So go to patreon.com slash talking lion to subscribe. Now back to the show. Abby, Mr. Nomad, are you ready for the question round? The question round. Let's go. I'm ready. The first question is the random question. What did you get into trouble for when you were young? There's many instances. Oh, this one time I uh, corrected my science teacher when I was living in India um, in middle, I think it was like early elementary school or something. She said that space was a vacuum. And I said, no, it's not because a vacuum wouldn't have anything in it. Oh, I thought you were going to be like, no, because it's space and a vacuum is a vacuum. <laughs> <laughs> that would have been the funnier answer but i but i was a smart ass so and uh lo and behold i'll have you know i am still correct space is not a vacuum and so i got in trouble for that and she she sent me to the principal's office you can't really talk back to the teacher where i'm from so yeah that's that happened and this one time one time i almost mooned a bus this one time me and my friends set out to moon a public bus in fiji when i was in high school and we were stopped by the cops so that was, I mean, we mooned it and then we drove off and then the cops stopped us. So that was rough. That's fun. I mean, I'll do it. Stick it to the man. I got in trouble for like not bringing my notebook or like not bringing my binder or just like generally being a bit disorganized or like, and it wasn't even that I was disorganized. Like I always, like I would ace every test. I would always, you know, for the most part, do the work. It was just when I, there, there were certain teachers who were like, no, it's not enough to do the work or like ace the test. You have to like come prepared every day and like put in like the busy work basically. And I was just like, no, I can, my, I'm smart. I just take the shortcut. And they're just like, no, you can't take the shortcut. And I would just, I, I would run up against authority in that way. And they would be like, no, you have to do, do things by the book. And I'd be like, no. And then I would get detention and have to like, but detention ended up being super fun because the detention teacher was super fun. So it wasn't <laughs> even punishment. So it just the the lesson never stuck. I was always just like, no, I'm I I still get straight A's. So like, you're not going to convince me to like use your system. Basically, that's that was my fight in in like in school. I would read during class. I think that I got in trouble a lot for like reading during class, which is like a really nerdy thing to get in trouble for. But I mean, I, I also like would curse a lot young. Like I I learned swear words really early, and I also I, I got I got picked on a bit growing up and would just kind of like over correct in a way that like didn't like in retrospect was terrible, but like in the time, like made sense. Like I was kind of like picked on by this one girl who was just like very mean all the time. And I just kind of didn't say anything. And then like one time she was saying like, yeah, last night, like the fire department was called because like there was the fire in my kitchen. And I was like, I hope your house burned down. And, <laughs> and then I got sent to the principal's office for good reason. Cause like I was like 10 and I said, I hope your house burns down. But it was kind of just like, I was like, I don't, I don't fuck with you. That's kind of hard though. <laughs> Wish I did um, shit like that. I wrote an apology to her in the form of a haiku. Wow. Wow. That is so thoughtful. 
I hope your house, okay, five syllables, doesn't burn down now, today. Seven syllables. We could have been friends. <laughs> there, there you go. There you go. Money. <laughs> A good haiku. <laughs> All right, next question. Uh, what is your phone background? The, oh my god, I just got a new... I'm going to look like a, such a lame piece of shit. I just got a new phone, so it's just the normal. But on my old phone, it was it was this really cool drawing of Link from Zelda. Nice. nice. Very good. And then the Appreciate actual it. phone background was like a, a photo from our wedding. Aw, I love that. That's great. Do you have a non-musical hobby? Yeah, I really like... Fuck, I'm so boring. I'm trying <laughs> to think of... I'm just like the most boring person. I really enjoyed like graphic design and drawing. I do that mm. for other people. So it's not really like a job. Noah does some of that stuff too. Just like Yeah, graphic design is my passion. <laughs> like like actually though. It's like it's like like I've done it professionally here and there, but it is like just a thing that I mostly do for fun. Same. Yeah. I used to have a job and I have a associates in graphic design uh, that I got while I was here in Austin. And um I used to work at Austin Community College doing graphic design. Well, that's cool. Oh. So it's just something that I love doing. Very cool. uh, the next question is probably the most important question you will ever be asked on the podcast. Would you be a pirate? Arr. Thousand percent. Hell yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, that's you should You should see my fucking... Sea of Thieves character. <laughs> he's like this 80-year-old man. You've been training. I've been training. He's an 80-year-old man with a cat. <laughs> I, I mean, I love that for That's you. great. Is he, is he, name, are you a legend yet? Uh, no, not at all. My my friend is, but I'm uh, I'm not that good at the game, but I'm I'm really good at shooting. So anytime It's we get, hard like, in that game. It's harder, for sure. The sensitivity is weird. Um, well, that was easy. That yeah. was, uh, no, for, no further no questions. Further questions. Except yeah. for the next question. Except for the one, next one. Let's go. Uh, which is, uh, do you have any tattoos? No, dude. God, I wish I was more interesting. I'm sorry, guys. I was considering getting the, uh, which I might still get. I was considering getting the original 3D Nintendo logo, the N. That's the oh, one. that's a really good one. Yeah, so I wanted to get that one, and I wanted to get Yoshi like smoking a joint. <laughs> that's awesome. What was the first concert you ever attended? Uh, the first ever concert I attended was Mostef and Talib Kweli live Whoa. in Los Whoa. Angeles. It was ethereal. Yeah, that sounds crazy. Godlike experience. Yeah, it was so cool. Can you recommend our listeners a movie, a book, and a TV show? Yeah, I can. If you haven't seen it, I'll give you one that you haven't seen and one that you probably haven't seen. If you haven't seen it, I say District Nine. Oh yeah, oh nice. That's one of my. That's one of my favorite movies of all time. It's a weird pick, but it is. And then one that you probably haven't seen that you need to go see. Just judging by you know. People I've talked to, probably Tenet. If you haven't seen it, go see it. <laughs> it's a great watch. And watch it like with, you know, speakers on a TV. <laughs> right. Right, right, right. Not on an airplane. I'm going to watch it on my iPhone. If you have earphones, whatever, you know. TV show I will recommend that I watched again for the second time. Uh, that if you haven't seen, you should go see is The League. That's what it is. Oh, yeah, The League. The League. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I've watched I've watched it twice now all the way through and it's fucking hilarious. I think that's Nick Kroll's best. Yeah. Um, <laughs> people tout Big Mouth. Big Mouth is not half as funny as the league. The league is miles, miles above it. 
I've heard good um, things. Yeah. Yeah, it's fantastic. And you don't have to I fucking don't give one shit about sports and I thought that was interesting. It's about fantasy football, so. Um, nice. Book. Fuck, what's it called? I still can't remember what it's called. But it's a fantastic book. I'm going to have to look in my Amazon like Are you sure it's not Dune? <laughs> I wish it was Dune. I wish it was. But then again, the movie is coming out, so you you guys should um read the book. You guys should go read the book. I have everything but that one. So in my Amazon order list, I have uh, Children of Time. Time travel? Uh, I mean, a whole barrage of things. Time travel is a small factor. Uh, Adrian Tchaikovsky. And then um, The Freeze Frame Revolution, which I'm reading right now, which is by Peter Watts. I appreciate the recommendation. Yeah. I like I like sci-fi books. I'm, I'm with you there. <laughs> do you have a scar with a story? Yes, I do. And it relates to my album, so this is great. There's a scar actually oh, over here. It's like a muscle stretch scar uh, from when I was when I was around 17 or 16. I got hit by a taxi cab going around 35 uh, to 40 miles per hour, and I was a pedestrian. It was totally my fault. Uh, I ran across the road when I wasn't supposed to. There's a jaywalking incident. I flew like 20 feet in the air, landed, and that Whoa. experience kind of that experience kind of and I survived, didn't break any bones. But it did leave me with a bunch of scars. That experience inspired the first song of the album, Extra Life. Because I thought wow. I was going to yeah. die. I thought I was dead, actually, when I woke up. But then I, th- I thought I was going to die. There was a green mushroom next to you, and it just said one up. Yeah, one up, and I just got back up. So, see, I, I thought that the, that the uh, license plate of the car said the universe. <laughs> <laughs> that, would be, that would be crazy. I wish my got, life was that cool. <laughs> you, just got, you just got hit by the universe. I'm glad you're okay. I'm glad, I'm glad that, that is definitely a scar with a story. Yeah, that's a crazy story. Um, all right. What are three thoughts you have at this very moment? At this very moment. A, will FedEx ever deliver on time? B, mm. which is the best flavor of sparkling water? I'm having mixed thoughts right now. Um, <laughs> usually it's lime lemon. But, you know, recently I had a strawberry mango. That was fantastic. <laughs> They're all just kind of taste the same, but I can tell the difference now. Number three, um, how good will Metroid Dread be? Interesting. Ooh, okay. Very excited for that one. I haven't had a good Switch game in two years. I'll do it. Very fun. Very fun. And yeah. lastly, uh, what are you looking forward to? I'm looking forward to many things. First of all, I got these fucking cassettes made for the album. Nice. I've never had you know cassettes made of my work. So I'm very excited to sign these and ship them out to people. It's so nice having like things in tangible form, like, and they look great. Yeah. Like, I think that just. Thank you. Thank you. So I'm very excited for those and I'm excited for shows next year and, you know, some sort of normalcy in uh, my career. Well, we're looking forward to seeing you if you come to L.A. and, and playing out here. When I come to L.A. I always come When to you LA. come to L.A., we'll party. We'll, we'll bring you to the poker table with Charlie. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Avi, thank you so much for coming on the podcast, for chatting with us about like everything. Um, and it was a pleasure. You're awesome. And we hope to explore the seven seas with you at some mm-hmm. point and look forward to meeting you in person if you're ever in LA. So thank you for facing the universe and also coming on to our podcast. Yes, thank sir. You. Thank you guys for having me. We'll talk to you soon.
Thank you for listening to this episode of Talking Lion. We would like to thank New Wave, The Truffleist, and Isotope for their support of Talking Lion. If you'd like to show your support, ask our guests your questions, talk to us on Discord, and get a shout out at the end of each episode, subscribe to our Patreon over at patreon.com slash talkinglion. Thank you for listening and see you next time.